Hi, and welcome to another episode of Building Northwest Indiana Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Comerford, with the Construction Advancement Foundation of Northwest Indiana. Back in the studio with me today is Ty Warner, the Executive Director of the Northwest Indiana Regional Planning Commission, otherwise known as NERPSI. Ty, last week you gave us a little bit of background on what NERPSI does as an organization. We covered the 2050 plan, which you explained is a long-range transportation plan that encompasses uh, basically four specific topics, uh, being economics, environment, mobility, as well as people and leaders. If you didn't get a chance to catch last week's segment, you can find it at uh, lakeshorepublicradio.org. Ty, today I wanted to touch on the future of transportation. Well, when I hear about the future of transportation, I, I think a lot about of you know a lot of what I see in the news. You know, the autonomous driving vehicles. I think Uber has recently launched uh, autonomous driving vehicles. Tesla has Elon Musk has his boring machine with yep. some kind of hyperloop, and then uh, you also see high speed rail. You know, making a play, especially in California. I think they've uh, recently been investing a lot of money into high speed rail as they see it as the future. Now, has NERPSI actually looked at some of these new innovations and uh, taking them into consideration when developing the the 2050 plan? Yeah, NWI uh, 2050, the plan I just talked about, uh, does try to look at, you know, not just the things of how we fund what's on the immediate horizon, but looking out and what's 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 coming way off into the future. And this all has huge implications for you know the region, obviously, if any of these things come to bear. Um, high-speed rail, uh, we've been coordinating with efforts to try to create high-speed rail links uh, between Chicago and uh, basically around Detroit, so Pontiac, uh, Michigan. And then another effort to try to link high-speed rail from Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, part of that, uh, that effort from Columbus to Chicago, that led to a situation where Virgin Hyperloop won, and, uh, which is a private company. Uh, Elon Musk kind of put this idea out there, but there's several different private companies that are actually running with it now or trying to. Uh, Virgin Hyperloop won, uh, had a competition globally to try to look at, at top corridors that they want to look at for further study for this concept. And uh, selected that route from uh, Columbus to Chicago as one of them uh, worldwide, but also extending it to Pittsburgh. So that whole connection. And to give you an idea of how fast this thing goes, this is like a uh, – some people describe it as like the pneumatic bank teller uh, you know, <laughs> tube thing. But you put people in it and, you know, and uh, you, you eliminate uh, air so there's no resi- air resistance. It's maglev so that there's no friction. And you put those in uh, sealed tubes, and they can get up to 700 miles per hour, according to the, the physics involved in all this. So you're talking about a half-hour trip from Chicago, uh, Chicago to, to Columbus. In fact, my, my counterpart in Columbus uh, for the regional agency out there, we've talked about meeting up for lunch in Fort Wayne because it's only 15 minutes you know, from, from each direction. <laughs> so who knows what will happen, but you know, folks, are, the private companies are, are, are looking at this. And then there's another effort to uh, look at it with a whole different uh, Hyperloop company from Cleveland to Chicago and look at that corridor. Also, interestingly enough, connecting onto Pittsburgh on the other end. So that's on the horizon. You mentioned autonomous vehicles, huge uh, impacts with that also in terms of our landscape when you don't have to have parking in the center of cities. Um, because the vehicles themselves can can park them, uh, themselves on the outskirts of town. That opens up development opportunities right in downtown areas, uh, creates uh, situations for people with limited mobility to be able to get where they need to go. A um, whole bunch of implications for Northwest Indiana for, for that as well. I, I guess another thing that is coming in the future, and, and some would say is already here, is um, – you know, gas mileage, uh, you know, there's standards that the federal government has put in place that kind of wants you to have higher fuel mileage, you know, for every vehicle. Is that affecting the funding uh, 
for for not only NERPSI but for uh, you know our, um, the federal the federal government and the highway system and and even the state. Because uh, I know they take a, a portion of that gas tax as well. It, it absolutely is, and it's, it's the effect of you know we haven't had a new source of revenue for these these infrastructure improvements and for construction projects for transportation. Uh, gas tax hasn't been raised since I believe 1992 or so. That 18 cents I mentioned at the beginning here, uh, that's been the same ever since then, and so it hasn't been raised, and so it doesn't buy as much now. And all that money that what I what I talked about in a very simplistic way uh, that money from uh, when you fill up your gas tank and where those those tax dollars go goes to something called the Highway Trust Fund and that's where that money is drawn from for everything that I just I just talked about. So uh, we have the situation where rightly so uh, we and everybody else on the federal level and the state and everywhere are trying to promote more fuel efficient vehicles, alternative fuels, electric vehicles, all these things. Uh, which is great. I mean, that's exactly what we should be doing, reducing our dependence on foreign oil and all of that, um, and better for the environment. But it's got the, the uh, ramification that if your sole source of funding transportation improvements is based on gasoline purchases, you're doing all these things to reduce the consumption of gasoline, plus you haven't raised the gas tax in you know, <laughs> however long. And so a lot less money is coming into that highway trust fund. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot less money available to do these things. And uh, we're going to run into a situation at the end of this current transportation uh, bill where we have to um, uh, find new solutions to fund these things. And some things are getting looked at elsewhere. Um, obviously, the, the the simple sort of knee-jerk, uh, which is probably the wrong term to use, but the uh, you know simple solution is to raise the gas tax even further. Um, I don't know what the appetite is for, for that. Uh, there are several states that have been working with pilot programs to try to track vehicle miles traveled. So if you're literally paying based on how many uh, miles your vehicle is traveling, and with technology, there's ways to do that. And, uh, and uh, what's being addressed in these pilot programs is every concern that you can think of of privacy and other things. How do we address that, but still do some equitable way of funding? And that's really what it comes down to is what's an equitable way to fund transportation improvements. You know, the, the bottom line is that there's the general philosophy, and that's why the gas tax is put in place, is that those that are using the infrastructure should pay for the infrastructure. And at the time, and when the gas tax was first put in place, that was seen as the most direct user fee that anybody could come up with. If you're buying the gas to travel on the roads, the the tax on that gas is helping to fix the roads. That's all the time we have for today. You can join us next week as Ty and I pick up this conversation again during Morning Edition, Regionally Speaking, and All Things Considered.